All right, we are venturing into uh, the second week of our Unwrapping Christmas series. And the idea behind this is at Christmas time, you would never just leave a Christmas present there unwrapped uh, just to pack it away for next year. No, we'd open it up. And in the same way, uh, we know at Christmas time that God has given us the greatest gift ever. He has given us his son. He's given us Jesus. And and this was an incredible uh, gift, the gift that just keeps on giving. And along with that, there's several other gifts that we have received that are available to us that are under the Christmas tree, so to speak, this Christmas season. And uh, we need to open them up, right? It's a free gift that God has given us. And all we need to do is open it up. But how many times do we leave the presents that God has given us just wrapped in under the tree? And we never take advantage of it. We never open it up. You know, we never play with the toy that God has given us. So in this series, we're working on identifying the gifts that God has given us and how we can unwrap them in our lives. Uh, Now, last week, last week we looked at the gift that God has given us, his presence, right? Emmanuel, we just sang about it, God with us, that, that literally God would, would give up heaven, the son, uh, the son of God, that Jesus would come to this earth as a baby so that he could be with us. We could experience his presence. And, and even though, you know, he ascended back into heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us so we can experience God's presence wherever we go. And, and as we unwrap the gift of God's presence, we experience peace, because he said that he would be our peace. So that was the, the first gift we looked at. Uh, today we're going to look at a, another gift that we can experience at Christmas that God has wrapped up nicely for us, and all we have to do is open that package up. So start by uh, opening up your Bibles to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, we're going to uh, look there today. John 16. And what's amazing, I, I love the book of John. Uh, if you've never read the book of John, do it. Read the book of John. It's really good. It's a good place to start. If you've never uh, opened up a Bible before, John uh, is oftentimes a, a, the place that it, uh, people will tell you, hey, read this one first. Uh, you get to see the story of Jesus in there. And, and uh, specifically in the passage we're looking at today, the chapters of John 13 through 17 are pretty interesting because it's all one big conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. Uh, Just one big conversation that we could get a a look at everything that's happening. In fact, it takes place on something today we know as the Last Supper, Uh, the the first communion that they had together, the the Last Supper. This was going to be the the day before uh, Jesus was going to go to the cross. Now, the disciples didn't know all that was happening, but we get to see, take a look inside of, of everything Jesus was sharing that night. And, and so he, he shares quite a bit as he's preparing them. Uh, he washes their feet in these chapters. He tells Peter, hey, Peter, you're going to deny me before the night's through. Uh, he, he tells Judas that he's going to betray him. He predicts that. He talks about heaven. He, he tells them how to get there. He talks about the, the Holy Spirit that's to come. He talks about in John 15 the, the, the illustration of the vine and the branches and how we need to remain, we need to abide in God, the importance of staying connected with God. Right? And he is uh, preparing the disciples. He prays for the disciples in John chapter 17. So it's pretty amazing that we have this much content on just kind of one conversation that Jesus has with the disciples. Now, the disciples, while they're hearing this, they really have no idea what's coming. Jesus has been 
trying to warn them, prepare them, but they don't understand the timeline. They don't know what's going to happen. They, they don't know that Jesus is, uh, you know, just hours away from being uh, arrested and, and crucified. They didn't know what was going to happen after supper. So that's uh, kind of the text, and this is one of the items that Jesus talks about in that John 13 through 17. So why don't we, we pray, and then we'll, we'll look into this scripture. Jesus, thank you so much for what you're doing. We, we pray that you would speak loudly through this text. Lord, we, we pray that you'd open our eyes up to what your word has to say today. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 16, uh, starting with verse 16, says this. Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of the disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and after a little while you will see me? And because I am going to the Father. They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Anybody else been confused by Jesus before, right? You're like, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? You know, just, just make it plain to me, God. Would you just tell me? And the disciples, they're kind of in that moment right now. They're, they're just saying, all right, Jesus, you're saying some interesting stuff. You said, you know, we're not going to see you for a little while. And then after a little while, then we'll, we'll see you again. What do you mean by this? And it says they kept asking. So this was a conversation they've been having for a little while. Like, Jesus, you're being real vague right now. We don't understand. Why do you have to leave? You know, why, why are you doing Where are you going, Jesus? You know, it says you have to go to the Father. What does that mean, Jesus? We, we don't understand. Where are you going? When are you going? Why are you going? Don't leave us, Jesus. So they're asking all these questions. They're a little confused. It's been this ongoing conversation. And so in verse 19, uh, it says, Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I mean when I said, in a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a little while you'll see me? Yes. Yes, Jesus. That is what we are asking. Please do tell us. Let, let us know. You know, the disciples are begging. So here they they think, all right, Jesus is finally, he's going to give us an answer. He's going to be straight with us. He's going to tell us this. And in verse 20, Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, you will weep and you will mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. So interesting passage here, right? The disciples are saying, hey, where are you going? When are you going? Why are you going? Uh, how long are you going to be gone? They're, they're asking for specifics, right? Give me some specifics. Jesus, tell me the time you're leaving. Tell me where you're going. Tell me when, we, when you're going to get back, and then we'll be able to handle it, right? Have you been there before where you're telling Jesus, God, just tell me what's the plan. Just tell me where I'm supposed to go. Tell me when I'm supposed to be there. Uh, if you want to, tell me why I'm supposed to be there. But just give me some specifics. Am I supposed to take this job? Am I not supposed to take this job? Am I, uh, am I supposed to have a relationship with the person? Am I not supposed to have a relationship with this person? And we, and we want God to give us a lot of specifics. And then Jesus, in typical Jesus fashion, gives them no specifics. 
Instead, he walks them through their emotional journey. And he says, all right, here's how you're going to feel. All right. And, and, and so it's, it's kind of interesting. He says, at first, you're going to weep and you're going to mourn. And it's going to be really sad. You're going to have a lot of grief. And while you're grieving, the world is going to rejoice. Like, okay, Jesus, where are you going with this? You know, what are, what are you trying to tell us? He says, you're going to grieve first. It's going to be painful. This is going to hurt. You're going to mourn. The world's going to rejoice. But you can have hope because your mourning, your sorrow is going to turn into joy. Your sorrow is going to turn into joy. And, and, and he gives this illustration of childbirth. Right? How many you got the moms out there? Uh, moms, you are incredible people. I just want to say that, man. Childbirth is no easy thing. And, and that's what he's talking about. He, he's saying, man, childbirth is extremely painful and hard. Very difficult. Uh, but yet, all of that, that pain, all of that sorrow, all of that heartache eventually turns into joy when the baby arrives. And, and pretty soon you forget about all the pain that you went through because now you've got the reward. You, you get to hold that, that child in your arms. You know, meanwhile, the dad's sitting there just, you know, good job. You know? But moms, man, the pain that you go through. And he's saying, that's what it's going to be like, disciples. Right? I'm, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to come back. While I'm gone, it's going to be painful. It's going to hurt. Uh, it's going to, your emotions, they're going to be pretty stressed out. You're going to mourn. You're going to grieve. But I promise you, when I return, your grief is going to turn to joy. Right? All those hard things that you went through, you're going to get to a point you're going to say, man, this was worth it. You know, th this was good. And now you're going to have this, this joy in your life. And I promise you this joy that's going to come and take place in your life, no one can take it away. This isn't just a moment of happiness. This, this is joy. This is eternal joy. So again, I, I wonder what the disciples are thinking. They're sitting there like, okay, that didn't answer the question. Um, but I, I don't know, it sounds kind of painful at first, but it sounds good at the end. You know, maybe we can roll with this thing. So what is Jesus talking about? You know, we have the benefit now of hindsight. We can look back and see uh, how this came to be, what he was talking about, even though the disciples, they didn't understand the timeline of it all. So uh, let's, let's walk through that a little bit. See, little did the disciples know that this timeline of Jesus leaving them was actually starting that day. Uh, they didn't understand that, that that night that Jesus was going to be arrested uh, as they were praying out in the garden. Uh, he, they didn't understand that he was going to be arrested and then uh, put on an unfair trial that night and be crucified the next morning. He was literally going to leave them. He, he was going to die. That's what he's referring to here. He's going to die. And, and during that time, they are going to mourn. They're going to have grief. I mean, you, you look at it and all of a sudden, you know, Peter and the disciples go from, Jesus, we will never leave you. Uh, we'll never forsake you. You know, everything's good. They thought, here's our king. Here, here's our hope. Here's our joy. And now all of a sudden, in just a few hours, Jesus is ripped away from them. Peter denies Jesus. It says the disciples scattered. Now they're in their homes, locking their doors, you know, trying to, to stay out. Here, just the week before Jesus was entering into the city in this triumphal entry, you know, everywhere they went, they were like, yeah, we're with Jesus. 
You know, we're, we're with him. You know, they were probably popular. Everybody was looking to them. But now all of a sudden in the course of one night, everything's flipped. Here was their hope. Here, here was their joy in life. He, here was their plan. This was their king. Everything was going to be great. But now Jesus has died. How is he going to be king if he's dead? Right? I gave up, if you were the disciples, they're probably thinking, I gave up everything to follow you, Jesus. Now who am I? Now what do I do? I, I can't imagine the, the grief that they went through, the, the mourning that they went through. So again, we're looking back at it. We see that exactly what Jesus said came true. And it, it was literally that day, that night that things started happening. You know, now they're denying, you know, Peter's saying, I don't even want to be associated with you. I don't know him, right? They, they went from, you know, the ones that everybody was looking to that now, you know, are they wanted people? Are they wanted men because they were associated with Jesus who's now being crucified on a cross like a criminal? They didn't know what to do. So they, they grieved. And when Jesus died, the world cheered, right? They were all saying, crucify him. They got what they wanted or what they thought they wanted. Here the disciples are in fear. Now thankfully for them, Jesus was only gone for three days. See, on the third day, on that Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead, victorious, defeated sin. He defeated death. And now all of a sudden, the disciples, they get to see Jesus. They get to see their risen Savior, their King. And then all of a sudden, the light bulb clicks on. Oh, that's not what I had in mind, Right? This is, this is a good thing. Now their grief has turned into joy. Now they thought, man, this king is pretty out. Now they're thinking, no, he is, he is God. right? He is risen from the dead. This is a risen Savior. Death cannot hold our Savior down. And now they've got a joy that no one can take away from them. A joy that no one can take away from them. So right now I'd like to unwrap our, our second gift of, of Christmas. So I need a volunteer here today. Anybody want to be our, anybody with some gift unwrapping experience out there? Anybody? Anybody? All right, Kaziah, I see your hand up. Come on up, Kaziah. And if I could grab a microphone over there too, Pastor Sam. Thank you so much. Perfect. All right, Kaziah. Here, I'll give you the microphone. Um, tell us for a minute, you've opened up a present before, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it doesn't have to be your favorite, but what's maybe one of the most memorable gifts that you've ever gotten? An American Girl doll. American Girl doll. Okay, that's exciting. Do you still have this American Girl doll? <laughs> no. So th here's this precious gift, and did you throw it out? Did your parents just eventually... So I tried when I got it, and then Kazan was like, you have money, and then like five years later, I threw it out of there and sold it for $150. <laughs> nice. We've got, we've got an entrepreneur here. You're working well. All right. Well, this is good. Well, this is good. Are you ready to open up our, our second gift? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Here, I'll, I'll hold the mic for you. All right, get a drum roll, please. What do we got in there? What's in the box this week? All right, what do we got? Okay, we've got, we've got a ball and... Okay. All right, so we've got a calendar and a ball. Now, what do you think this has to do with anything today? Any guesses? Planning activities. Planning activities. All right. Um, yeah, maybe there's some joy in activities. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But uh, thank you so much, Kaziah. Give it up for Kaziah.
I'll give you gentlemen this. Thank you. Uh, we'll start with the ball today. All right? Here, let's, let's clean up the platform a little bit. The opening of a new gift each week, so, so come ready. Uh, let me ask you this question. Has anybody ever seen something online and you just thought, man, that looks amazing. I got to have that or I got to give that as a gift. And then it shows up, you open it up only to find it's not what the picture looked like, right? Kind of like one of these balls. You know, online it looked like that. You know, like, this is a four-foot ball. We're going to have so much fun. This is going to be amazing. You know, this is going to be incredible. Everybody's going to love it. And then it shows up, and, you know, you can maybe get it two-foot big, but then after a day, it, it looks like a deflated ball. Isn't that sad? You know, isn't that frustrating? Or maybe, maybe you got a, a, a sweater online, and it, and it came, and you're just thinking, oh, this is going to be perfect. You throw it in the wash one time, and it comes out, you know, like miniature. Well, this wasn't made with quality. Or, you know, you got that present for Christmas that said number one grandma on the mug, right? You put it in the dishwasher, it comes out, and all the letters fall off, and you just have a white mug at the end of it. You know, it's a cheap gift. You know, it was made poorly. It, it didn't go very well. And it's a gift that you just say, well, all right, well, I guess we'll just... Toss this away, you know, just like the American Girl doll. And, uh, you know, throw it out and say, this, this didn't last very long. Well, the nice thing, we're talking about the gift of joy today. Joy is not a cheap gift. Joy is not a gift that just is here today and gone tomorrow. It's not fleeting. It, it doesn't just disappear. Uh, this is a gift that's quality. It's a gift that will never break down. It will never spoil It'll never fade. You'll never grow out of it, right? You'll, you'll never say to yourself, ah, oh, man, I don't need that today. This is a gift that, that never fades. How did the ball get all the way over there? Everybody's probably watching that. Um, but, but this is a gift that, that is eternal. And again, it's the gift of joy. And, and Jesus said, no one can take that away from you. No one can take it away from you. It's permanent. In uh, just a little bit, we'll, we'll look at that second gift of of the, the calendar uh, to kind of explain some of the things. But, but it was an eternal gift. Uh, think about this for the disciples. Okay, here you have a group of guys who, they don't always get it. They're always asking Jesus questions, you know, like this one, like, Jesus, tell us what you mean. We don't understand. Uh, can you give us a little bit uh, of a clue? And, and, and Jesus leaves them, and they mourn. But then eventually... Jesus comes back, and now they're excited. Now they've, they've got joy. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, now they've got, they've got joy, and it's exciting stuff. And in fact, uh, this time when, when Jesus leaves, they don't, uh, because he leaves again at the ascension, and he goes away, and he says, hey, I'm going to send a helper for you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. We'll talk more about that next week. But um, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And, and, uh, and now they don't cry, they don't wail, they don't mourn when Jesus leaves, because something is different. Now they've got Joy, their lives were completely different. So in fact, let's check the timeline on this, on this gift, right? If I were to uh, look at this calendar that, that we've got. So Jesus, we know that, that he was arrested, you know, on, on this day right here on Thursday. Uh, and then he goes to the cross. And so we know that 
Friday was a rough day, right? Friday was, was grief. Saturday was pretty rough. Sunday morning was a little rough for the disciples, but halfway through, they found out, like, this is a really good day, right? Here's where the gift of joy came in. You can't see that, but I just wrote joy. Uh, this is where the gift of joy came in. So let's check the timeline now, right? After that, there was joy. All of April, all of May was joy, all of June, uh, July, August, September, October, November, December. Every day after that was the gift of joy. Year 34, year 35, year 36, year 100, year 1000, year 2000, year 2023. We are living with the gift of joy. It's available to us. That's the timeline that, that God has for us. And so today we're living in the gift of joy. So the disciples, again, Jesus left them about 40 days after he was raised from the dead. He left them again. He ascended into heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit. And now the disciples are, are totally different because they're operating with this gift of joy. You know, before when Jesus left them, they were emotional wrecks. Now when Jesus left them, all of a sudden they're filled with confidence. All of a sudden in the face of persecution that they used to run, for, uh, run from, now they stand up to it. Something is different about the disciples. And not only is it the Holy Spirit, I believe it is the gift of joy. You see, the disciples, uh, you know, after the day Jesus rose from the dead, they never looked back on the cross with regret. They never looked back on the cross with regret. They never, they never said to themselves, man, I, I'm so sad that we had to go through that painful time when Jesus was gone. They talked about the cross, but they talked about it in glory. They talked about it in joy of what Jesus had done for them, uh, of the amazing sacrifice. Uh, they, they didn't regret the time that they mourned, but they were thankful for it. God had turned sorrow into joy. He had turned something painful into something glorious. And the rest of their lives, uh, in the midst of persecution, we see the disciples respond in joy. In the face of death, we see the disciples respond in joy. And it's a gift that's still available to us today. Now, while the Bible doesn't record the deaths of all of uh, the disciples, we know from tradition or from history that, that the disciples, uh, virtually every single one of them, died for Jesus. They were martyrs. Uh, it says that some were crucified, some were put to death by spear, some were stoned, some were burned to death, and it's all because they continued to share the good news of Jesus. That's why they were put to death. But they had the joy inside of them. They didn't do it begrudgingly. They did it with joy. They weren't going to deny Jesus. They weren't going to deny their Savior because they had seen what Jesus had done from them, for them on the cross. They had seen their risen Savior and there was nothing that could take that away from them. There was nothing that could take the joy even when people threatened them, even when people put them to death. Nothing took their joy away. They had joy that remained in them until the day they died. They didn't hide in fear, but joyfully and boldly proclaim the good news until their final breath. See, this joy is a gift from God. And my question for you today is, have you unwrapped it yet? Have you experienced joy in your life? See, if you look at the calendar or the timeline, right? Jesus died, uh, but then he rose again, and joy entered the world, really. And on the calendar of this timeline, we are still in the joy period. 
we're still operating in joy. Today, joy is available for each one of us because we can serve a Savior who's defeated death, who's defeated sin, who's defeated sorrow, who's defeated pain. So have we unwrapped joy in our lives? So I'm going to give you uh, three things today of how you can unwrap joy in your lives. And the first one is this. And this isn't a fun one. Experience sorrow. If you want to unwrap joy in your life, you have to experience sorrow. Sorrow is a prerequisite for joy. You know, there are certain joys in life that we can only experience through pain. We have to go through pain to experience the joy. Uh, I remember as a kid, we had, we had a fireplace downstairs. And uh, it was so much fun in the winter, snowing, it's cold outside, uh, a nice Christmas night to just sit in front of the fire feel the warmth of it, throw a couple logs on there, hear the crackle of the wood, you know, all those stuff. It was nice having a fireplace. But what I didn't like was having to go out in the snow with a wheelbarrow and grab the firewood, drag it into the house, fill the box up. Like, that was the worst job ever. I hated it. But I had to go through pain if I wanted to experience the joy. Right? You had to go through the work if you wanted to experience the joy. You know, we all love a good vacation. But vacation doesn't just happen... It, You've got to work hard. You've got to save your money, right? You've got to go through, the, go through the work so that you can experience the joy. See, Jesus gave the same, a similar example with childbirth, right? We, to experience the joy of a child, you've got to go through the pain and the sorrow of childbirth. The disciples experienced this sorrow when they lost Jesus, when they lost Jesus. But, but if they had never lost Jesus, the joy would never have come. If Jesus would have never gone to the cross, the joy would never have come. If Jesus had never come to this earth, if he was never born as a child, the joy would never have come. If he'd never gone to the cross. If he'd never gone to the cross. See, Jesus, the fact is, he came to this earth. He humbled himself. He lived this perfect life. He didn't deserve death, but yet he willingly went to the cross for us. I mean, just to think about that, that Jesus would endure all that for us. He went through pain. He went through sorrow. In fact, it, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That Jesus did it with joy. That, that Jesus was glad to do it for, for you and I because he, he saw what was ahead. He saw what was to come. But he knew that to experience joy, he first had to experience sorrow. So how do we experience sorrow? Right? How, how do we factor into this? Because I believe if you want to experience eternal joy in your life, you have to start by experiencing sorrow. And, and that starts when, when we recognize in our lives our sin. And we grieve over that. And, and we become sorrowful when, when we understand what we've put Jesus through. Understanding, yeah, we read in the Bible, you know, the Roman soldiers who nailed Jesus to the cross, but, but really when you stop and think about it, it was our sin, it was your sin, it was my sin that nailed Jesus to that cross. That we are the reason that he had to go through that pain. And we allow the Holy Spirit to convict us. And we, we feel guilt, we feel remorse uh, of what we've done that we've abandoned Jesus. Here, God created us, and he made us with a plan, and he made us with a purpose. But yeah, we've tried to say, my way is better. I, I'm going to go my own direction. And we've abandoned God. 
He's never abandoned us, but we've abandoned him. So we have to go through the sorrow of, of saying, Lord, I'm guilty. What I did wasn't right. God, would you forgive me? We have to experience sorrow. We have to experience pain. But the good news today is that God has a way of turning sorrow into joy. He has a way of taking all those things that you regret, all those things that you just, oh, why did I do that? And all that pain and sorrow. And somehow, he doesn't just get rid of the sorrow, but he turns that sorrow into joy. He turns those things that you just thought, this is, this is, this is bad, uh, this, this isn't good, I can't believe it. And somehow God uses that for his glory. Somehow God uses that for his goodness. I mean, again, look at the cross. Look at the cross. 2,000 some years ago before Jesus died on that thing, you would walk into this room and you'd be scared that we had a cross hanging on the wall, right? That we had some sort of torture. That would be a, a signal to all of you, you better stay in line or else, right? Torture is coming. That would not be a good thing. People were fearful of the cross. But yet somehow God took a torture device. And now today, it's something that we hang up and we look to and we celebrate and we're thankful for it. And and he's turned this torture device into something glorious. And we wear it around our necks. We hang it up in our homes. He turned sorrow into joy. And he wants to do that in our lives. But in order to do that, we've got to experience that sorrow first. James 1 uh, says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So as we experience this joy in our life, as we ask God to forgive us, right, and we go through the sorrow, all of a sudden God continues to turn more sorrow into joy. When we go through trials, when we go through persecution, when we go through pain. Now it says, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, we can consider it pure joy. Because we know that God turns sorrows into joy. You know, it's tough to think about it that way, but when we follow Jesus, He can take the worst things that we're going through, He can take the storms in your life, and He can use those for His glory. He can turn them into joy. Now when we go through difficult situations, we can say, oh, you know what? The Bible tells me that God's working all things out for my good. The, the God, I, I don't know how he's going to do it, but I can't wait to see. Right? I can't wait to see because I know I'm going to grow through this. I know I'm going to develop perseverance. I'm going to develop character. That God may use this storm that I'm going through right now so I can help somebody else out who's going through a storm later on in life. I don't know how he's going to do it, but God's going to turn this sorrow into joy. Because that's what he's got a habit of doing. But again, we've got to experience sorrow first. Second thing. Second way to unwrap the present is to focus on the reward. Focus on the reward because the reward that lies ahead of us, the joy that lies ahead of us is worth the suffering. It's worth the pain. It's worth experiencing sorrow. We can have joy no matter what the circumstances of life are uh, because we know what lies ahead. We know that on the other side of this life, even though it's temporary, we know that on the other side of this life is eternal life. Is heaven a place where there's no more sorrow, a place where there's no more pain, uh, streets of gold, you know, it, it's going to be a celebration, and best of all is Jesus. Jesus, we get to be with Jesus. We get to receive our prize. We get to live with our king. The disciples were able to endure persecution and face death and do it with joy. 
because they kept their focus on the reward. They knew what, what, what lied ahead. Uh, Hebrews 10.34 tells us, You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. What perspective? Here they are followers of Jesus who are getting things stolen from them, who are being persecuted, uh, but they did it joyfully. They were thrown in prison joyfully because they knew what lied ahead. They knew that this journey was worth it. I was reading a story recently of a missionary who went, uh, I believe he was a missionary in Ethiopia. And uh, he went to Ethiopia, and, and he was a younger guy, but they asked him to teach in the Bible school there. And so he goes into the, the Bible school, and, and he sees a lot of, you know, older students. Just kind of felt like, man, do I even fit in here? Do I belong? Shouldn't they be teaching me? And uh, the first question he asked the class, he says, how, how many of you here today? And he was using a translator. How, how many of you have been thrown into prison? You've been imprisoned for sharing Jesus. Every single student in the class rose their hand. And so he thought, something must have been mistranslated. So he asked the question again. Now, how many of you have been thrown into prison for your faith? And again, everybody raised their hand. And so he's still, he's got this puzzled look on his face. And, and one of the students in the front row who, who knew English, you know, He's like, you look confused. Are you asking us, uh, have we been in prison for our faith? And he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, every single one of us have been. And it gives you some perspective. Here they've been in prison for their faith, but yet they're going to Bible college so they can learn how to share their faith even better. It gives you perspective on life, doesn't it? Joyfully. They, they joyfully went through all that. Sorrow is temporary, but joy is eternal. Do you have your eyes focused on the reward that lies ahead? Because when we do that, we can endure a lot of pain. Imagine today that after service, I, I, I told you, hey, uh, you know, outside we've got a hot coal walk lined up. Right? That sounds painful, doesn't it? Or uh, after service, we're going to go over to Wiley Lake and do a polar plunge. And I tell you if, you, if you can go in the lake for three minutes and just sit there, or you can walk through the hot coals all the way through, I'll give you ten bucks. <laughs> Who's signing up? Right? Just the crazy ones. Uh, you know, nobody's going to do it for ten bucks. But if I told you, hey, if you do it, I'll give you a million dollars. Now all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, huh. How long's the walk here? All right, just three minutes. You know, and, and now, now you're standing there, you know, you're taking those. If it was just 10 bucks, you'd take two steps in like, oh, forget this. You know, that, that's not worth $10. But, but you're sitting there, a million dollars, a million dollars, a million dollars. You know, you're just keeping that focus ahead. I can endure the pain. I can pay a doctor to take care of my feet after this, right? Just 10 more seconds. I can do this. Because we are focused on the reward. We, we see what lies ahead. And the same thing is, we have a reward that's greater than a million dollars. Oh man, it's so much greater than that. It's immeasurably greater. We get to have Jesus. We get to have eternity in, in heaven. There's a lot at stake here, right? There's a lot on the line. And, and, and we can have joy through it all because we keep our focus on the reward that lies ahead. 
some of the ways that the Bible tells us that we can keep our focus on what lies ahead. Uh, Psalms lays out a lot of them. In, in the book of Psalms, it says, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. Right? When we experience God's presence, keep our eyes on Him. Uh, in Psalm, again, it says, joy shines on those whose hearts are right. When we are righteous before God. It says, your statutes are the joy of my heart. That, that God's words, God's laws, God's commands, when we keep our eyes focused uh, on God's laws, they become our joy. It says, oh, the joys of those who trust in the Lord. Not in ourselves, but our trust is in God. That's when we have joy. That's how we unwrap it in our lives. And in Galatians chapter 5, we read, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. Joy. Philippians chapter 1 tells us, it speaks of the joy that comes when we're thankful, when we look back and we realize everything that God has given us. So, so joy comes when we focus on the reward, when we focus on the prize, when we focus on Jesus. How do we do that? We, we stay in the Word, right? we recognize His presence in our life, uh, we keep our hearts right, we trust in Him, we walk in the Spirit, you know, all of these different things. We're thankful for what God's given us, we keep our eyes on the prize. Third thing, third thing that we can unwrap the gift of joy in our lives is this, share the joy. Share the joy. Don't keep the joy to yourself, but as you share joy with people, joy multiplies. It, it just grows. It, it grows. Uh, there's a sentence in the Bible that is, um, I, I was reading it, and I don't think I've ever heard a sentence like it before. Because it's just so backwards and upside down and doesn't make sense, but yet somehow makes all the sense in the world because of Jesus, because of the joy he's given us. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 2 says this, In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. That's backwards, isn't it? Uh, this is talking about, Paul here is talking about a, a group of churches in Macedonia. Macedonia is today like modern, modern day northern Greece. The uh, the area of Thessalonica, the uh, Philippi, Berea. Those are all the different churches that were up there. And it said they were going through a hard time. They were going through a severe trial. They, they were living in poverty. They didn't have anything to give. But they heard about a need in Jerusalem. The Christians in Jerusalem who, who, who had a need. And they were never asked to give. They were never told, hey, we need you to do this. But it said out of their poverty welled this joy. And they gave out of the little that they had, and they were happy to do it. That's a pretty cool story. They heard the need, and they wanted to be part of something that was bigger than them, and they considered a blessing to give. Even though they were probably the ones who needed to be given to. They gave beyond their ability, and they gave out of overflowing joy. See, when we share the joy, when we give of ourselves, of our time, talent, and treasure, we unwrap that gift of joy. You've heard the, it's better to give than to receive, right? It's more joyful to, to give, to bless somebody else. You know, I'm excited, Pastor Sam mentioned it earlier, just uh, be praying tonight. Tonight, we, you guys have given. You guys have given for stockings for the Rosebud Reservation. And tonight, I, I can't wait to hear the reports as 
you know, these these kids and teenagers come from all over the reservation and, and they get to open up these presents and the joy that'll be on their faces. And not only that, but they get to hear the greatest gift of all is Jesus. How they can experience him in their lives. Turn the world upside down. But you all got to be part of that. Because you gave. Because you gave. Share the joy. So who do you need to share the joy with in your life? What time can you give? Right? Maybe it's a Maybe it's even an offering as we give to, to missions. And you think, how, how, can I, how can I give? How can I give? Not, not begrudgingly. How can I give out of joy today to love on someone? Who, who can I take care of? Is there you know, someone around me who just needs me to spend some time with them? I need to share Jesus with. Share the joy. Just like Jesus did with us. Uh, we're reminded of it all. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Angels appear to the shepherds, and it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. God has given us this amazing gift. He's given us His Son. But along with His Son came this gift of joy. Joy for the entire world. Now this joy was... Not a, not a free gift. It was a costly gift. Jesus had to shed his blood in order for us to experience joy. But this gift, I'll tell you what, it's of the highest quality. Never spoil, never fade. It's not some cheap toy that's just going to break. This is a gift that no one can take away from you. That will last for eternity. But will we choose to unwrap it? Will we choose to experience sorrow and understand that we're sinful? Understand that we don't have it all together and truly repent of our sin. Say, God, I'm going to give it to you. You know, will we focus on the reward? Will we keep our eyes up and recognize that each day, even though it may be difficult, that we've got a great prize waiting for us, that great things lie ahead. And will we share the joy with others, not keep it to ourselves, but invest in others? That's how we can unwrap the gift this year. So today I want to close maybe a little bit differently. I want to just respond in prayer just in your seats right now. Would you just bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment? And I just want to walk you through, um, just praying through each of these points. Uh, So today, that first one, and you can just begin to, to pray on your own. Maybe today would you just begin to pray that God would help you to experience sorrow? Pray that that God would reveal, though painful, He would begin to reveal sin in your life that doesn't please Him. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior before. Today, right now, you can can pray that prayer. The Holy Spirit will convict you. and Maybe you're just feeling the guilt and the weight of that all. And all you have to do is say, Lord, would you forgive me? Would you, would you make me new? Would you make me like you? I want to make you the Lord of my life. Lord, thank you that you died on the cross. Lord, I, I'm sorry that my sin put you there. But Lord, I'm thankful that you rose again, that you conquered sin and death and the grave. Maybe you've been saved for a long time, but just begin to pray out just right now.
that the Holy Spirit would convict you. If, if there's sin in your life that, that you've just been holding on to, that, that just, you know, the devil's just got a foothold in your life, would you just begin to confess that? Begin to let it out. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, we need you. Lord, show us our guilt. God, show us the times we've wronged you. The times we put our desires ahead of yours. Lord, would you forgive us? Lord, would you forgive us? Lord, may we experience true sorrow for the pain that we've caused you. God, it was our sin that put you on that cross. Oh, Lord, we confess to you now. We confess to you now. Cry out to Jesus today. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, we need you. Lord, thank you for dying on the cross. God, thank you for taking our pain. Oh, Jesus. Thank you that you went through such extreme sorrow. We didn't deserve it, Lord. Forgive us, God. second thing, let's just now, just pray right where you're at, that God would just reveal to you the reward. God, help us to keep our eyes on you. Lord, reveal just another piece of what heaven's going to be like in our lives. You give us the strength and the courage to move forward each day, even through the pain, even through the sorrow. God, help us to endure it with joy. Oh, Lord, thank you for heaven. God, we can't wait. Lord, thank you that you prepare a place for us, that you go before us, that you're coming back for us, that one day, God, you'll, you'll come in all your glory, in all your splendor to take your church to be with you. Lord, we can't wait for that day. Oh, Lord, I know it's difficult now, but Lord, one day we will get to reign with you for eternity. Jesus, show us what heaven's going to be like. No more pain. No more sorrow. We get to spend time with you, Jesus. Eternity. Lord, help us keep our eyes on the prize. Help us to, to stay in your word. Help us to remember your presence is with us wherever we go. We are not our own. We are yours. We are your craftsmanship. God, you've got a purpose and a plan for us. Help us to walk in the Spirit. Help us to stay thankful. Change our attitude. Change our perspective to an eternal perspective today, God. Help us to keep our eyes on the prize. last thing, just begin to pray that God would reveal to you someone to share the joy with. Lord, is it a neighbor? Is it a co-worker? Is it a family member? Maybe somebody else at church. God, maybe it's a, a, a missionary that we pray for. God, would you just put somebody on our heart to share the joy with?
to share you with this Christmas. Show us what you want us to do, God. Maybe it's a financial commitment. Just like the churches in Macedonia came together and gave out of their poverty, but gave it joyfully. God, would you speak to us so that we can respond in joy? God, if it's, if it's a neighbor or just somebody in our community that we see that, that you're just putting on our heart, we just can't get them out of our mind. God, may we go to them. Give us the boldness. Give us the courage to do that. May we share the joy of Jesus. Maybe it's just through baking them cookies or whatever it might be. Just a smile on the face. But God, may we, may we share joy with the people around us. Put somebody in our hearts today. Oh, Lord, help us to unwrap this gift. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joy. Thank you that you came to this earth. God, and that was a joy for the entire world. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? And as we go this morning, I just want to pray this verse, this blessing over you, because I think it's very fitting. In Romans chapter 15, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. May he fill you with joy and peace so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, have an incredible week. May it be joy-filled. May you share the joy with everybody you come in contact with this week. God bless you.